Welcome to episode 6 of Judicially Noticed. So yeah, we got a little housekeeping here. Uh, be on the lookout for our YouTube channel, Judicial Reality. We shot some stuff for the first episode. Should be airing soon, and uh, we'll give a big shout-out and announcement on social media for that. Uh, I also have to announce the hotline is up and running, so uh, you can leave a voice message asking for a legal, generic, or life advice, and uh, we may select to have your message played on the uh, show. And we may only give informational advice, but certainly not legal advice. Right, and we may bring in like an expert guest to discuss things as well. So that that number is a three two three seven four 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 two nine nine, and I'll have a link to that number in the show notes. Again, three two three seven four 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 two nine nine. Feel free to drop in a voicemail, and we'll give you some informational assistance if we play your voicemail on the show. Yeah, please no trolls. Today's episode is definitely not legal advice. It's purely informational for entertainment purposes. And this segment uh, pertains uh, strictly to uh, the laws in uh, California. Also, we'll talk about some federal issues, and uh, we'll point those out. And uh, we don't take responsibility for any misconstrued information, nor does this podcast create an attorney-client relationship. We've gotten lots of requests to do an episode on fashion law. Probably because James dated it. Yeah, I, I dated a few women that went to uh, the uh, Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising, or FITM for short, in uh, L.A., which, uh, yeah, we'll talk about that later, but apparently some of those classes are definitely harder than the ones taught in law school. So fashion law, what can you copyright, what can you patent, what can you trademark, and what can you not? Copyright, it mainly, you know, it, it governs art that's fixed in a tangible medium of expression and uh, displays a modicum of creativity. What those things really mean, uh, we don't know. I think to be fixed, it's like it has to be able to last more than I think three seconds was the test case. So if the thing can only last three seconds, then it's not fixed. But if you draw something on a piece of paper and then uh, light it on fire, that thing is uh, copyrighted. If you draw it on a shirt or on a dress, you can certainly argue that it can be copyrighted. If, especially if you're using a picture that someone photographed and you're imposing that onto a dress or pants or shirt or any article of clothing. So. Copyright law can come into play. Where it doesn't come into play is functional art. Yeah, functional art is basically, I think the most common example people use is the bong or water pipe for uh, smoking tobacco and uh, marijuana. What can be copyrighted is the uh, blown glass art that's part of the piece. What cannot be copyrighted is the uh, actual dome where the water is kept and the uh, pipe itself. Another example would be... Let's talk about a shirt. You cannot copyright... Yeah, you can't copyright the shirt itself. Yeah, and you or, can't patent or trademark it either. Right, because that, that, I mean, there'd be a public policy because essentially a copyright is a monopoly for what is it, life of the author plus 70 years? So you could stop all people from wearing clothes. Exactly. If, if you just buy, if you get all the copyrights to shirts, pants, socks, shoes. When it comes to intellectual property in general, uh, you can pretty much rest assured things that are common or in nature or are necessary to the function of, of something uh, are not copyrightable, trademarkable, patentable. You cannot reserve intellectual property rights to the color blue. 
you cannot reserve intellectual property rights to the function of a shirt in that you wear it or that in, it keeps you warm by virtue of you wearing it. Uh, you cannot reserve intellectual property rights in pants because you need pants in your everyday life and it's something that people use functionally. Now if it's special, if it's a special shirt, special pants, we'll get to that. Or if you have like a character like Iron Man on your shirt, Iron Man's copyrightable and you can put Iron Man on your shirt. Right, but again it doesn't go to the function of the shirt to the extent that it's a shirt. Right, no shirt needs to have Iron Man on it. <laughs> so I mean the other, the other intellectual property right that's common is uh, the patent. And you can't patent just, again, shirts, pants, because that would give somebody a monopoly for 20 years on functional clothing that keep people warm and decent. Right. But if you're talking about pants now that have a special design, or let's say there's some strapless bra out there, or some special shirts that no one has ever seen before because of its design, or let's say it, it, it gives you more utility than a normal shirt would. For example, there are articles of clothing out there that have built-in heating or cooling systems and there's electronic components involved. Now, when we're talking about a unique design or when we're talking about additional utility on top of just a regular old shirt, then yes, you can get a design patent on the special pattern maybe that's on the shirt, the special straps that are on the bra or a special utility that cools or warms you or allows you to jump higher or some additional piece of technology that has utility or has a specific special design. Yeah, like a Hanes is breathable underwear, I believe is patent. And I believe the uh, bra by Victoria's Secret, the Ipex, because of the way it like pushes and like protects titties is uh is also patent and i think it took like 17 that that bra was in the making for 17 years according to the commercial yeah a lot of effort and design went into that particular garment boobs <laughs> and then the other main fashion ip is of course a trademark basically a trademark is a symbol word stamp badge crest or a monogram that distinguishes the source of the goods or the source of the service. There's also service marks, which you can you can file with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office and get protections on that. What's really special about a trademark is it's an intellectual property that is appurtenant to use, which means in order to enjoy the, the protections of a trademark, you have to actively be using the mark in commerce. So if I make a special logo that's unique to a product that I want to sell, but I put that logo in my bookshelf and I don't ever bring it out to commerce, I don't put that logo on articles that I'm actually selling, then my trademark is not pertinent to use. And therefore, I cannot get a, a trademark registration on it. So it's very important that you're actively using a trademark in commerce, whether it's a special logo, a special symbol, you know, it could be, a, it could even be a tune. A lot of uh, commercials will have like ding, 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 or some sort of tune that's associated with them. I think the Intel commercial is, is a great example of that. Uh, yeah, the, the Xbox, that sound it makes when uh, you turn on your Xbox and in the Xbox commercials. 
I like flom sound, that's trademark. The great thing about a trademark is it can last in perpetuity as long as somebody's actually using, as long as someone's actually using the mark. In commerce. In commerce, and I think they pay the refiling fees. That's right. Let's go over the three one more time. Now, we put this into the context of fashion law, but really intellectual property applies all over in various different industries. You have copyright, which think of it as just uh, writing, think of it as pictures, think of it as movies, music, film. That's all copyright. Uh, patents, you can think of inventions, you can think of processes that have utility, you can think of designs that are unique. Chemicals that have, for example, health benefits like, like uh, drugs, uh, medicine, uh, those are all patentable things. And finally, trademarks again, symbols, uh, slogans, logos, and when it comes to registration, copyrights are generally federally registered, but you also can have a copyright without going out of your way to register it. It's just that when you register it, you get a presumption of validity. That's correct. Uh, which is the same with trademarks, uh, except with trademarks, you can also uh, get a state or a local trademark in, under the common law. And then with patents, those are also federally issued with uh, through the United States Patent and Trademark Office, which handles patents and trademarks, and the United States Copyright Office uh, is a federal uh, office that handles copyrights. Right, and they got forms you fill out. Trademark, the thing about trademark is they have to make sure that your mark is unique. It also can't cause any confusion with any existing marks. So it has to be distinct, and there cannot be a likelihood of confusion with another trademark. I, th I think like the, the big case that they make you read in law school is a uh, Victor's Secret versus Victoria's Secret, where that guy had that sex shop that was diluting Victoria's Secret's mark, and it was substantially similar to theirs. So they sued. I think Victoria's Secret won that case. Yes, I think that was a tarnishment case. I don't, was it a sex shop? Yeah. Or was it just a dude's underwear clothing shop? I think it was like both. <laughs> I don't know. I, I never got to visit it. I think like the lawsuit was before. So you had a funny law school story at Finham, is that right? Yeah, one day, I, one day the Southwestern Library was closed for whatever reason, so a buddy of mine took me over to uh, the Fitham Library where his uh, girlfriend was studying. And so we were there studying for, I think I had like an international business associations and contracts course that I was taking. And so we were hanging out in the Fitham Library and this blonde girl had a kind of a temper tantrum in the library and she's like oh my god you have no idea how hard these classes are and my friend and I kind of look at each other and they're like there's no way your like polka dot class or whatever is harder than our international trade agreements course and she's like oh yeah you, you want to bet and we're like yeah fine here like you can do our homework assignment here you can do our homework assignment and we'll take it to our professor during office hours and see what you get. And she's like, okay, and you guys can do my polka dot homework. Me and this other dude had to sit there and figure out how to get the polka dot design onto a skirt and then cut out the skirt and make sure it was measured correctly. And we had to sew in zippers and make sure none of the polka dots were in any seams, which is hard at first to get just polka dots onto the thing. What we ended up doing was measuring out a pattern, printing it out, and then silk screening it onto the fabric, cut it out, and then we had to sew together the skirt, but neither of us knew how to use a sewing machine, and 
So, I mean, we turned out a crappy skirt, but we found out, yeah, that's that's a pretty hard course. I think she got, she ended up writing the paper. We had to kind of help her learn how to use Westlaw and Blue Book. But we gave it to the professor as a joke during his office hours, and he would have graded it. He said, like, depending on the curve, it would have got, like, a B or B plus in his class. And I think on our skirt, we would have got, like, a C or C minus. So, yeah, those FITM classes, some of them are harder than the classes at law school. But it's not like, I, I mean, you can't really compare them, though, because like, we, we didn't have to teach her how to read or type to do our homework. All right, continuing on our discussion of intellectual property, let's go back to copyright for a second and talk about fair use. Yeah, so basically when I go to, I get invited to these uh, social media weeks where influencers and uh, people that are in marketing in the social media space, uh, we meet up usually at like a convention center in L.A., and uh, we discuss topics in social media. Whenever I go, they go, oh, you're a lawyer? Well, these content creators go, well, I posted some stuff on YouTube, and then it got I got a notice, and then it was taken off the Internet. Well, that's because of the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. I believe that's the Copyright Act of 2001. Basically, copyright law had to adapt because we had the creation of the Internet, and that created some things like Napster that were creating some new and inventive ways of infringing on people's work and it was creating new lawsuits. Congress had to figure out what do we do about these internet service providers. And so under the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, if you own a copyright and you notice that somebody's infringing on your work over the internet, basically they'll get a basically the internet service provider has to do an investigation. If they determine that your work is infringing, they give you notice and then they take your video off the internet. So this was happening to a lot of content creators, so they were asking me, well, how do I get around this? And that brings us back over to fair use. Yeah, so basically you have to meet four, technically five elements to be considered a fair use in copyright, meaning you can take portions of the work without getting sued or your stuff taken off the internet. And those four factors are the purpose and character of the use, including whether the use is of a commercial nature or if it's for nonprofit educational purposes. Second factor is the nature of the copyrighted work. Third factor, the amount and substantiality of the portion used in relation to the copyrighted work as a whole. And the fourth factor is the effect of the use upon the potential market for or value of the copyrighted work. And you said there's also a fifth factor? Well, I mean, there's one that these YouTube creators talk about, which are uh, disclaimers that there's no intentional cop copyright infringement. Does it actually help? Uh, we'll get into that, but uh, the, the short answer is no. Okay. Thought so. <laughs> uh, that's another funny thing you see people doing. And you also see Facebook posts where people are like, I do not allow or I do not give permission for you to use my photographs or my posts anywhere and so that I since I've put that on my wall now I know no one has permission yeah. which in effect is complete horse crap because when you sign up for a Facebook account you agree to certain things that Facebook is allowed to do with your information and your photos there's really very little way to get around it when, when you make an account because that that's how they're able to keep keep Facebook free and in the same vein the idea that when you put up a Cardi B song on YouTube and then in the description you put, oh, I don't mean to copyright, uh, infringe on this, on this copyright. 
Well, the law doesn't care what your intent is. The law care, cares about what the result is. The result is that you've now put on Cardi B's song on YouTube uh, without being authorized to do so. If you're sampling, though, and you put... If you put, like, a small portion of the Cardi B song on YouTube and then you put, like, a commentary and you say no... Exactly. No copyright infringement intended. That means that, like, she can't seek statute... She likely can't seek statutory damages from you, which are, like, $250,000 per infringing use. But not because you said you don't intend on infringing, but only because you used a very small sample and you had a fair reason to do it either because you put commentary on there well also a judge may determine in awarding those statutory damages was it intentional and they may take that statement uh, into account fair enough that's a good point it could very well be that the defendant's intent goes to the other four factors so that is important so let's go over in detail what each factor means so the first factor is purpose and character of the use. That's whether or not you're putting something out there to try and make money is the main factor. Like, are you trying to make money off of this use? Are you pimping it or is it educational? That's the great easy way to remember it. Right, and it's like, it's a sufficient factor. It doesn't mean that like, just because, again, if you put on it, this is for educational use only, a judge may take that into account, but not all educational uses are fair uses. Let's uh, take a hypothetical. What if a teacher gets a photograph of, let's say, that Hope picture that Obama had, the blue and red picture that went viral? Oh, the Shepherd Fairy yeah. Obama Hope Sure. Poster. Let's say that the teacher says, you know, I, I want to show this to my students to teach them a lesson in politics and the power of viral marketing. But I'm going to charge $5 to each student before I show them this on my projector. That creates a little bit of a problem, right? Because on the one hand, it's in an educational context. On the other hand, the teacher is commercializing it by charging a fee to show them that picture. Right. It would also be the effect of a professor doing it. These professors that do these continuing legal education seminars and they charge for admission. Right. So, if you want to steer clear of issues, either make sure it's purely educational or purely commercial. And if it is purely commercial, you're going to need a copyright license if you're using copyrighted work so that you don't infringe on it. Uh, let's go to the second factor, which is the nature of the copyrighted work. Yeah, so that's usually how was it changed or is it a blatant just taking? If you, push, if you, if you post like the entire Cardi B song on YouTube... Then you better be careful. Yeah, you probably will get taken down because I had a friend that put an entire Daft Punk video on YouTube without the, without any permissions. And it was actually an unreleased video. Put it on YouTube and uh, she got that taken down. But I mean, like, the, the real question is, like, whether it's a transformative work, whether you took the work and completely transformed it into something else which is a huge thing in uh, the sampling community and DJing and the rap scene. Basically, they take songs and they mash them to... They take songs and noises and mash them together and make a completely new song. Yeah, they probably took something from Dr. Dre, but eight seconds off a Dr. Dre song to make a three-minute song is probably... is probably going to be deemed creative enough. I think DJ Danger Mouse got in trouble for sampling, 
when he took the uh, Beatles White album and the Jay-Z Black album and he put like just two songs on each album together and the uh, yeah the court deemed that that wasn't enough that didn't meet the uh, modem, modicum of creativity enough to uh, be a uh, be a transformative use you know what a great example is any weird out Yankovic song where he takes a famous song and rewrites the lyrics but sings it to the same tune that's a transformative parody right there Right, that's a parody. He would, he might be in fair use territory. Uh, Weird Al himself, though, always gets a license. He doesn't get a license, but I, he, out of uh, respect for the artists, he reaches out to them and asks them if it's okay for him to do it. But legally, he's not obligated to. Right, but he he does in general. He got, I think, he got in big trouble because I guess he didn't have Coolio's. Uh, well, Coolio got really mad at him because I guess he didn't have proper permission to uh, do Amish Paradise. Factor number three, the amount and substantiality of the portion taken. So yeah, if it was, if it's de minimis and nobody notices it, then it's probably fair and you probably won't even get sued if it's like so small that nobody even notices, like if it's like point, you know, if it's like a few milliseconds off of Jay-Z's song. I think there's a there there's the movie Seven. I think there's a there's a famous artwork that's shown for like a split second in the movie, and they try to sue for copyright infringement on that, and it was deemed a de minimis taking. But if the heart of the work is taken, then there may not be a fair use. Yeah, like if you take the uh, Romeo and if you take the Bass Lerman Romeo and Juliet balcony scene with DiCaprio and you put that on. And you stick that in a YouTube video, yeah, you'll probably run into some problems. That's right. All right, let's go on to the fourth and final factor, and that is the effect of the use on the potential market. Yeah. So basically, are you yeah are are you taking money out of the hands of the copyright holder? Which is actually interesting. I think that woman just did that uh, that white girl version of Childish Gambino's This Is America. This is America. And any proceeds that she receives over. from that video will actually go to Childish Gambino. So that she like meets that factor. She's not stealing any, any money she makes off the song. He essentially gets. Let's go on to the issue of clearance. Uh, when any big movie studio or even a small-time production company puts together footage of whatever. There's some attorneys that have to act as essentially shit filters for, for the company uh, to make sure that uh, there's no lawsuits oncoming due to the way that certain logos, phrases, symbols, whatnot are used in the context of that footage. Uh, case in point, let's say you have a movie where the bad guy is wearing a Coca-Cola shirt. What what would be the problem with that, James? Well, you would have a trade. You would have potentially a trademark infringement on on the uh, logo of Coca-Cola. Not only that, but aren't you arguably also tarnishing the image of the Coca-Cola brand because you're having the bad guy, you're having the antagonist put on the coca-cola shirt and this actually happened this happened with not not with coca-cola but it happened with some movie where the bad guy was wearing a shirt with a logo of 
some random company that got upset and said, well, why is our uh, logo being tarnished here? Because you're, you're showing the bad guy wearing it, doing bad things. It creates a negative association for audiences. Right. Uh, th- that actually happened on a porn set. The guy, the, I think the porn star, he was a pretty famous guy. He had, though, a rib tattoo of Aqua Teen Hunger Force, uh-huh. the adult swim show. And so they, I think they kicked him off the set because they were too worried about a trademark and copyright infringement suit. That's funny. Also, like, clearances just basically get, once you realize that there are certain things that are infringing in the movie. Either or, or blur the them out or... Get permission. That's right. what we're going to talk about. Or, I mean, give the villain just, like, a plain black shirt. But yeah, you could get permission, and usually you, that means you have to pay somebody at Coca-Cola, Apple, or one of these places for using their intellectual property. Or if it's music, there's the big three Yeah, there's that, that license out music. Right, you can get an ASCAP. You, you can go to ASCAP or BMI, and they'll give you, like, a pretty cheap, like, pennies on the dollar license, usually to do a, a public performance. And that's how you get famous songs and famous movies. So that's about it. That wraps it up. Closing remarks. Uh, I do want to mention I actually made a, a YouTube video on intellectual property. If you search my name and type intellectual property Robert Raffi, it should come right up on YouTube. Cool. We're also yeah. we're still available on all podcast streaming services. Uh, we also have the hotline number. That number again is... and uh, yeah just give us a shout out on social media and hit up the hotline if you want to contact us yeah don't hesitate I mean if uh, you're you've got a lingering question and you're interested in some informational assistance from us you know 323-744-4299 it goes straight to voicemail so just leave us a you know leave us a message with your question and we'll get right back to you on our next episode All right, that's it. That's Judicially Noticed. We out.